Welcome to Meekum Presents On The Move, brought to you by State Farm. It's the show geared toward keeping you up to speed with the latest auto news, event coverage, and expert industry insight. Now, here are your hosts, Matt Avery and John Craman. Hey, and welcome to another On The Move. I'm Matt Avery, and joining me is co-host John Craman, lead TV commentator for Mecham Auctions on NBCSN. John, it's a very exciting time because here we are at Mecham's debut in Tulsa, Oklahoma, with a brand new auction taking place. And what we wanted to do with this show, we wanted to get our finger on the pulse of the local car scene there. And so we've got two guests coming on. Starting with in segment two, we'll be talking with David Miller, VP of Sales and Marketing for R3 Performance Products, a big shop with a wide range of custom builds and restorations. And then in segment three, we'll be talking with Dustin Turner. He's the event organizer for one of the long-standing cruise nights held in the area, Tulsa Tuesday Cruise. So before we get to all of it, John, let's talk about the Mecham auctions that are taking place right after Tulsa. Yep, the next two auctions coming up, Matt, are the Orlando Summer Special. That is going to be in July. And of course, the big Monterey auction, which is going to be in August. And I just do want to say that both of those auctions now moving forward with a big head of steam. And just a reminder to everybody, the success of Mecham Auctions really over the past year, since June of last year, really all points to more potential record events. So if you're thinking about consigning, getting your car entered, do not hesitate. Well, record setting, John, is exactly how we would describe the recent Dana Meekham's 34th Original Spring Classic auction held in Indianapolis. All kinds of excitement completely blew the roof off of expectations for the collector car scene. John, let's dive in. What are some of the high points and key takeaways? Well, first of all, just the overall success of the auction, Matt, almost 180. $8 million in the sale of collector vehicles. That's the second $100 million plus auction of the Mecham schedule. First time that that has ever happened, by the way. And that's compared to last year's event, which is very successful and a record in its 33rd year in 2020 at $72 million. So the jump from $72 million to almost $108 million has been described by the press as incredible, spectacular, un- unbelievable, lots of buzz and excitement out there. And let me just kind of break it down a little bit just to give you a little bit of highlights. Of the top 10 vehicles sold, seven were over $1 million. Uh, about, well, 1,715 cars were actually hammered, sold out of uh, 2,057 entered. That's a sell-through rate, by the way, of 83%. Very, very strong. All indications, of course, uh, that future Mecham auctions ought to be strong and the state of the collector car market really good. Speaking about the state of the collector car market being good, Matt, you and I each picked out a car that sort of surprised us or a vehicle that surprised us at Mika Mindy. What did you pick out? I picked out lot number S70. It was a 1997 Camaro SS, but John, it was one of the 108 equipped with the Corvette Grand Sports LT4 V8 engine. So a very cool car, and this one was extremely clean. It had 76 miles on the odometer, and it was ultra desirable, and that showed when it crossed the block because it hammered for $95,700, John, and I really do think this is a high watermark for the fourth-gen Camaro market. It's a sign of things 
things to come. These cars have always been desirable, but I really do think that in auctions to come, we're going to see a big jump in value and where they really do become true collector's items. So I'm excited. I, I really like this market. I can't wait to see what else what else comes from it. Now, what about from your perspective, what was catching your eye at Mika Mindy? Well, Matt, you know, trucks and four-wheel drive vehicles have continued to escalate, but one just really sent shockwaves throughout the collector car world. It happens to be lot number F61. That's a 1982 Jeep J10 Honcho pickup, uh, one of only 1,264 were built. Now, this had a pre-auction estimate, sold at no reserve, pre-auction estimate of thirty-five dollars to $45,000. Blew well past that. It actually hammered for a $100,000 price tag and of course with the fees and everything one hundred and ten thousand dollars driver quality restoration inline six-cylinder engine with a five-speed manual transmission but i do have to say lots of personality and indicates once again just how strong the collector vehicle market is right now and the excitement in indianapolis kept going after the auction with the holding of the indy 500 well, the 105th running of the Indianapolis 500, Matt, was one for the record books. Uh, Elio Castroneves won his fourth Indianapolis 500, matching that almost impossible goal, along with uh, Alan Sir Sr., A.J. Foyt, Rick Mears. They were all there and present, by the way. And close to our hearts, the Meekum Number 24 uh, associate-sponsored car driven by Sage Karam started on the last row, picked his way to... A great seventh place finish. And of course, that is his best finish in eight years. So uh, hats off to Sage and his crew for putting together not only a great car, but a great run. I just really enjoyed watching him pick his way towards the front. And you know, John, the Indy 500 and the Mecham auction really are the kickoff to a very exciting summer schedule of automotive events taking place around the country. And that means you and I are going to be out on the road attending many of them. So let's talk about our June schedule, where are we going to be? Well, Guy Larson, the proprietor of Bloomington Gold, has asked both you and I to attend the big Bloomington Gold show. That's June 18th and 19th, literally just around the corner. That's Friday and Saturday, Indianapolis, Indiana, at the Lucas Oil Stadium. I'm going to be actually presenting two forums, Matt. I'm going to be doing one uh, that I call Inside Auctions in the Collector Car Market. And then on another one, I'm joining a guy by the name of Jim Wallace, who is really known as one of the top experts on the LS6 Corvette. That was the one-year-only 1971 performance version only 180 of those cars were built i will be moderating that with jim he's a retired general motors engineer and really cool guy now how about you you're also going to be presenting a seminar yeah and, and actually related to one of the big stories about the show this year which is the inclusion of camaro and so my seminar is looking at one of the most significant chapters of the model's history and that is the quest for 427 power during the model's first generation 1967 to 1969 and, and it's really exploring and explaining how that came about, how Camaros, how there was the need, the market demand for 427 power underneath the hood of Camaro, why Chevrolet wasn't going to do it or the parameters that they had to work within, and then ultimately how Don Yanko was able to leverage that Copo program to get it installed right on the factory floor. So we'll we'll take a look at a lot of the dealer partners, including Dana, Motion, and Nikki, and, and really help to understand how the Camaro Performance Program program got launched. Now, 
Speaking of performance, but moving away from Camaro, you and I got to experience some modern performance in the form of a on-the-move review of a 2021 Ram 1500 TRX. Man, this thing was fully loaded, topping out at $91,205. Our tester came painted in diamond black crystal with black interior. But of course, what matters most is what was underneath the hood, and that is the 6.2-liter supercharged Hemi V8 delivering 702 horsepower and 650 pound-feet of torque paired to the eight-speed automatic. Now, John, you and I barely scratched the surface of exploring this truck's limits and capabilities. We were nowhere near a desert or any kind of open territory to really thrash on the thing. But what we did get was we really did get to log a lot of miles in everyday driving on surface streets. And I think we both came away impressed. I know I was that the truck, despite its raw nature, its ready-to-run mentality, it really is very livable, and it really is enjoyable. Matt, I have to confess, I'm not a truck guy. Okay. Uh, I love performance cars, uh, but the first thing that I noticed when I saw the truck is just how muscular it looks. Not just talking about the physical size, but just the way that they've made the exterior appearance in particular look distinctive from the other Ram entries. That was the first thing I noticed. The second was the high step up into the cabin. Number three, how luxurious and well-equipped that interior is. It is a luxury car in its personality all the way. But where it began for me, Matt, where it hooked me was the push of that starter button and hearing the perfectly developed rumble of that supercharged 6.2 liter Hemi and the supercharger whine once underway. It absolutely hooked me. The combination of off-road pickup truck capability along with the performance aspects of a muscle car. This truck weighs 6,000 pounds, over 6,000, but yet will turn the quarter mile in around 12 seconds. That's pretty serious performance. It, it really is. And like you said, from a truck that doesn't look like it should go that fast, but your, your mind certainly changes when you fire it up and you hear that rumble. And then for sure, your mind changes when you put your foot down and you feel that power. One of the things that I really like about the TRX, John, is something that we have found in the other performance vehicles in the Stellantis lineup. And that is the amount of data in those performance pages in the center screen and then also in the cluster that you can access. You get all kinds of numbers and real-time data that shows what the truck is doing. You can dial in, you can customize your driving experience so that you can really get that truck to perform exactly like you want. I, I really think that that's such a, a, a welcome tool for people that really want to maximize what the TRX has to offer. We had a chance to spend a little bit of time with it, not only on uh, city streets, but also out on the highway. And I've got some observations, and I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased to say that my initial reaction is that it rode a little bit firm. We were on some city streets that have uh, tolerated the ravages of winter, and I thought that the ride was, was definitely on the firm side, as expected. But once we transitioned to smoother pavement and even getting on the highway, frankly, I was very surprised at how refined the ride was for a vehicle with world-class off-road capability. You and I both had remarked on just how aggressive the tires looked as well. But surprisingly, the noise level of the tires and the overall ride quality uh, in the even up to the 80 to 90 miles per hour range, surprisingly good. I could see spending time on a highway with it. I could see spending off 
time off road with it as well. And certainly for commuting about town seems very well suited as well. Yep. For right now, the Ram TRX is the current dyno truck king of the hill. The question is, will it remain on top when Ford's new Raptor comes out? Mecham Auctions is proud to bring you On The Move with Matt Avery and John Craman. For more on the world of collector cars, head over to Mecham.com. Now let's get back to the show. Outside of Tulsa, you'll find Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and there you'll find the home of R3 Performance Products. It's a shop with a wide portfolio of products and services, all related to the building, customizing, and restoration of classic vehicles. And joining us now is their VP of Sales and Marketing, David Miller. David, we really appreciate your time today, and we want to start things off by learning even more about what R3 is and what it offers to customers. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you having me on. It's uh, my pleasure to talk about cars and Tulsa and our business. Um, R3 Performance Products is a manufacturer of new body shells, classic car body shells new, uh, Mustangs, Camaros. Uh, we do also recondition bodies like at Broncos and other models. Um, and it's originally from California, just recently moved to Tulsa a couple of years ago. And then uh, the parent company of R3 owns U.S. Restoration, which is a traditional restoration shop, which restores all sorts of makes and models. Again, a lot of Camaro, Mustang, Bronco, but a little bit of everything, especially over the last couple decades. And then brand new muscle car is our division that does, we build classic cars all new. Um, again, mostly Mustangs, Camaros, Broncos, but some other models as well. There's about a dozen models that you can get an all-new body. And once we're able to get an all-new body or make an all-new body, then we can take the parts and the guys and we can turn that into a, a, a complete classic vehicle built from scratch, every nut and bolt brand new, with the customer's choice of options, which is kind of fun. So they can go old school, new school, a mix. Obviously, resto mods are very popular right now, but we'll, we'll kind of do it however they want. And then uh, we also own a business called Bronco Hut. And Bronco Hut is a early Ford Bronco, classic Bronco, first-generation Bronco business. Uh, a lot of parts. We sell parts, but then also restorations, build, service, things like that. So, again, a lot of a lot of Broncos. We've always been fans of Broncos, and now we do a ton of business there. And so all four businesses are in Tulsa, in a suburb of Tulsa called Broken Arrow. We've got about 50,000-square-foot facility. It's all under one roof. Obviously, it, it all feeds each other. Um, we have about 29, 30 employees, so pretty big operation. And uh, we got a lot of cars sitting around. It's a lot of fun. Now, why Tulsa, David? What's the connection? What's the car culture like there? Well, Tulsa traditionally, um, as most people know, uh, the reason, most of the, <laughs> the main reason Tulsa's here is an actual city is oil and gas. And so a lot of oil and gas here. This is oil and gas country. And so because of that, coming up, you know, this was the oil capital of the world before they discovered a place called Saudi Arabia. But, you know, 80 years ago, 100 years ago, this was the center of the universe as far as oil and gas production was concerned. Still very popular here, very big. Um, lots of people work in that industry, lots of money being made off of that. And that's really our core. And Tulsa's grown from there into a lot of other things, particularly aviation. So there's a lot of oil and gas, a lot of aviation. This is the world's largest aircraft maintenance hub. This is where American Airlines and many others service all their planes. It's centrally located. Obviously, it's right in the middle of the country, um, which is perfect for that. And uh, you get a lot of other things that have come off of that, whether it's pipeliners, welders, um, heat exchangers, fitters, valves. This is a lot of blue-collar blue stuff. And so what happens is you have blue-collar, 
you have a lot of oil for the last hundred years and those related industries and employees. And then since, you know, the thirties or forties were especially after world war two, a lot of aviation. So you end up with a lot of blue collar folks, with a lot of skills. And then well, that translates into money, blue collar skills, cars. So huge car culture in Tulsa, um, lots and lots of car clubs. The largest Corvette club in the country is here. The Tulsa vet set has 800 some members. I, I was a member for years. Um, uh, Lot the you know the biggest Shelby meet in the country is here every year. Mid America Shelby Show is here every year on Father's Day. It's been going on for forty years, and you just have this Tulsa. Another interesting fact about Tulsa: it has the second most car regist registrations per capita outside of Los mm. Angeles. So everybody here has an uncle or a cousin that has ten or fifteen cars. Now they may not run, um, <laughs> like I have an uncle that has a dozen cars. Most of them don't run, but he's got a dozen cars. And so there are a lot of car people here, a lot of car nuts. Um, we actually have the third most millionaires per capita outside of California as well. So there's a lot of hidden money. Now people are very conservative and very humble about it, but you, you'd never know. Uh, but, but that also translates into people having 15, 20, 30 cars. Uh, and I'm also an insurance appraiser for classic cars. I don't do a lot of it anymore, but I used to do it as a side gig quite a bit. And uh, it, it related well to my restoration business. Um, and there are many times when I got a phone call to come to a nondescript warehouse somewhere with no windows and one door and a lot of security cameras, and I'd have to go in and estimate 35 cars for one guy. So there's a lot of that kind of thing where people are collecting cars and keeping cars and, and doing that sort of thing in Tulsa. Big, big car culture. Take us into your shop, capabilities that you can do in-house. What are some of the services that you guys offer? So what's interesting about our shop, and again, it's a, it's a combination of four businesses that all came together in the last couple of years. Our three performance products came out of California. Uh, Bronco Hut came out of Colorado. And then I was, of the four partners, I was the one that was here in Tulsa. And I had U.S. Restoration and Brandon Muscle Car. And so we combined all of it, moved it all to Tulsa, centrally located, low overhead, uh, good economic environment, you know, good government, low regulations, low taxes, um, very good for this sort of business. And we draw customers from all over, um, all over the world, all over the country. Uh, about 40% of our customers are actually West Coast uh, they, because our, our rate is more fair. Um, and so they feel like they can get a better bang for their buck out here. So we get a lot of business from there. But our three performance products, that is a metal fabrication business. So they, R3 is the division of our company, and actually it's the parent company. And they make body shells, and they make suspension and chassis, and then they make rolling chassis. And so people can buy a body shell, or they can buy a rolling chassis. Oh, that's it. They'll buy a body, take it, do something with it, build a car, whatever. Uh, we also recondition people's body shells. So they can send us their old body, and we'll recondition it like new and give it back to them. Uh, then U.S. Restoration is the division that does restoration. So it, it, anything and everything you can imagine as far as, you know, metal restoration, body, paint, the whole car. We'll do as much or little as they like. And then brand new muscle car is the division of that that takes new body shells and turns them into uh, complete scratch build cars. So classic cars built all new, every nut and bolt, all new, per the customer's requirements. Uh, and so you can see where that kind of all goes together. And then Bronco Hut, again, is a Bronco business, early Ford Broncos, classic Broncos, first generation. So parts, service, restorations, build. So you can see where all of it works together. So sometimes people will just buy a body shell or they'll just buy a part or they'll just have us do a paint job. But more often than not, they'll have us do a lot more than that. So they'll say, well, here's my Bronco, restore it all the way. Or I don't have a Camaro. I always wanted a Camaro. 
build me a Camaro or build me a Mustang. We're also licensed by Donna 60 Seconds to build Eleanor Mustangs. So we're one of two places in the world that build uh, Eleanor Mustangs, licensed official Eleanor Mustangs for customers worldwide. We ship them all over the world. Uh, Left-hand and right-hand drive. Their choice of options, engine, transmission, colors, that sort of thing. Uh, we're licensed by Yinko. We build Yinkos, uh, which is not everybody knows who Yinko was, but that's the Shelby of Chevrolet. Um, smaller, less less well-known, but um, still very cool vehicles. So we build Yinko Camaros, Yinko Chevelles, Yinko Novas. Uh, we also restore Yinkos as well, of course. Uh, so we do a lot of different things, but you can see where all those businesses will feed each other. And it's very handy for us to have that under one roof because, you know, while people may just buy a body shell, we also use our body shell. So we also use our suspension, our rollers. Um, we'll use the metal shop to recondition a body and then do a restoration or a build. Um, we can build cars out of bodies that aren't new as well. So, for instance, I had a customer recently that called me and said, is there a new GTO body? I used to have a GTO. I now want another GTO. I'm older. I have some money. Let's do a GTO. There's no GTO body. But I found an original GTO body per his specifications, the right year, the right options. We went and bought it. We're reconditioning that shell, and then we're going to do a build. So we're going to build him a custom street car out of a 67 GTO body that we had to go get and, and then recondition or restore. Um, so you can see where the metal shop, especially having a metal shop in-house that does this full-time, does nothing but metal, very, very handy, whether it's floor pans, quarters, the whole shell. Um, it's very, very handy. And then, of course, having the Bronco parts business comes in very handy when we're doing Broncos. There's usually, like I said, we have 50,000 square feet. There's probably 45 or 50 projects in here. So out of the 50 projects, probably 10 of them are Eleanors, 10 of them are Mustangs, 10 of them are Broncos, 10 of them are Camaros, and 10 of them are other. Um, and so all of that becomes very, very handy when you're working on those projects. Let's talk a minute. Let's uh, break down a little more specifically on the concept of your brand new muscle cars. It's my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, that any one of these vintage cars, primarily Bronco, Camaro, Mustang, there may be a few others, Tri-5 Chevys, I would guess are in there as well. Can yep. you literally yep. craft and build to a customer order using zero original parts? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, there's about a dozen models where you can get a body, the rest of the parts are already available, and then you just paint it, put it together. Essentially, I'm oversimplifying it, of course, but um, you're talking about six, seven, eight, nine months of, of hard labor uh, to build these cars. But what's fun about it, and this was my... Brand new car was my idea. So I'm in the restoration business for a long time. Uh, the first new body came out in about probably 05 or 06, um, and it was a Mustang. I don't know, sorry, it was a Camaro. And uh, I'm a big Camaro guy. I've had five. I've had five vets, five Camaros. I love them. I was raised in the Chevy family. And even though about two-thirds of our business now is Ford, but that's okay. I love them both. I love Mustangs and Camaros. They're cousins. Um, but the Camaro body came out, and I was in the restoration business, had a big business, had a bunch of people. We were doing a bunch of restos, and the body shells came out, and I immediately got it. It was on the cover of Hot Rod Magazine, and I got all excited. I read it at night. I couldn't sleep that night. I woke up early. I registered brandnewmusclecar.com. I thought that was a great name, and it turned out to be. And I went into the shop, and I gathered all my employees together, and I said, guys, they're making whole Camaro body shells. And there was silence. <laughs> because they didn't know what I meant. And I said, now we can take a shell and the parts and we can build an all-new 69 Camaro from scratch. Crickets. <laughs> and then finally one guy said, why? I said, what do you mean, why? It's cool. It would be all-new and you could the customer could design it. 
exactly they wanted. Old school, new school, resto mod, whatever. Options that didn't exist, colors that didn't exist, whatever they want from scratch. And they were just crickets. <laughs> and nobody got it. Everyone thought I was insane. And so I spent the next year promoting it, talking it up, putting stuff on the web, pushing it before I finally got my first order because nobody got it. Everybody thought I was insane. Uh, even my employees thought it was crazy. Why would you build it all new? Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you want an original? Uh, but here we are, you know, 15 years later and everybody gets it and it's cool and scratch builds now at the auctions have more value than some originals, which is insane, but, but true, especially resto mods. Master mods are super hot. Everybody wants resto mods. Um, and I didn't do brand new muscle car because of resto mods. I just thought it would be cool. My original idea was time machine. If you could go back in time to 1968 and walk into the dealership and order a 69 Camaro from scratch, your choice of options, but now, how cool would that be? Right? It was a time machine. That was the idea. But, of course, resto mods kind of overtook that, and now probably 85% of our builds are, you know, resto mods. <laughs> because, and now brand new muscle car has morphed into, it looks old but drives new, right? looks like yesterday, drives like today. Okay, that's great. I love that. I love Resto Mods, don't get me wrong. Eleanor is kind of the original Resto Mod, obviously. Um, so we do a lot of that, do a lot of Mustangs, a lot of Eleanors. Uh, but we also just do a lot of cars where the guy says, hey, I want it to look exactly like the old day, but I need you know, better suspension, better brakes, better wheels and tires, air conditioning, you know, fuel injection, seam sealing, sound deadening. You know, they, they, want, an old, they want a 60s car their wife doesn't hate. You know, if you've driven, and I love them, I love them. It's part, for me, it's part of the charm. It's part of the appeal. Carburetors and the smell of gas, and they run funny, and when you corner, they turn like school buses. Uh, that makes me nostalgic because I grew up driving these cars. Uh, but for people with means, not so much. They want a 69 Camaro or a 67 Mustang that looks like yesterday and drives like today because they just got out of their brand-new Ford F-150 pickup or the brand new Mercedes and they jumped into this thing and they wanted to drive halfway decent. And that's, you know, again, fuel injection, air conditioning, good wheels and tires, good suspension, good brakes. Um, you know, obviously somewhat safer, still a 50 year old design, doesn't have airbags, doesn't have traction control, doesn't have ABS. But, uh, as I have to tell these people, and obviously drivetrain choices, the sky's the limit on power. So they get small block, big block, coyote, LS, superchargers, turbos. I mean, we've built them, you know, we, we put a thousand horsepower on these things and you have to say to the guys, Hey, wh what do you want 800 horsepower for? Well, I'm, you know, I'm showing off. I want more than my buddy. Okay. Well, remember if you floor this thing, you're gonna be in trouble. Like doesn't have traction control, doesn't have ABS, doesn't have a computer trying to save you. Right. It's yes, it's better than the sixties, but still very dangerous. So, you know, but fun, you know, it's like skydiving. It's fun because you can be killed. It's, it's, it's exhilarating. So you have to you have to warn these people to be very careful with these cars. My guess is is when you begin a uh, conversation with a potential customer, uh, cost comes up. What do you just give us a broad idea of kind of a low to high of what somebody could expect to have a vintage car built from scratch? So it's it it's a little bit all over the place depending on what they pick. Uh, the labor is kind of the labor um, in general. It, parts make a huge difference. I mean, the labor for us to put in a $5,000 motor is real similar to the labor of us putting in a $10,000 motor, right? So you end up, where people usually go 
quote unquote off budget is parts. You know, they'll, they'll say, well, I, I want this rear end and these brakes and this motor and this tranny and all these crazy options, the suede interior. And, you know, all of a sudden a scratch build goes from 150 to 200 okay. or 250 Yeah, because, because they added, you know, um, now, again, the original idea of Brandon Muscle Car was Time Machine. So the very first one we ever did was completely old school, just new, which I thought was really cool. Again, it's like going back in time. So I built a 69 Camaro for myself as sort of the proof of concept for this thing. And it was completely old school, but all new. So it was neat. You know, you sat in it, it smelled new, it looked new, it drove new, but it was all old school. No resto mod, no options, no nothing. I mean, and I loved it. I thought it was great, but that's not what people order. And we build the suit, so we build what they order. We will wholeheartedly agree, David, that the resto mod market is red hot right now. And the question that I'm wondering is from your perspective, when you look out, what's the future of resto mods? Well, you know, it's really interesting because we've been doing this for long enough to see a trend. And so, and, and it's and it's fairly obvious. Again, people watch the show, right? They watch me come on the auction on television, and they see the cars go. And when we first started building cars, they were worth less. You know, the originals were worth quite a bit more. And then they got closer and closer and closer. And now uh, they 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 reached parity a while back. And now when you go to these auctions, if you see a really nice build, a really nice rest of mod, it sells more for, more for more than the originals. Uh, because, and that's just supply and demand. That's just people with money want them. They don't want to wait, right? They don't want to come to me and, you know, have me take eight, nine, 10 months to build it. They want to buy it and drive it next week. And so you see, you see that in the auctions, you see that, uh, all over, you know, other, other, it doesn't have to be auctions, but just places where cars are bought and sold. Um, is there still a market for classics? Of course. You know, of course, a 63 split window vet will always be a 63 split window vet. It'll always be valuable, but there is now a market for a 65 resto mod, you know, or a 63 resto mod. And, you know, if you watch the auctions, you see these resto mods selling for more than straight restorations. And that was not true 10 years ago. And so it's really flipped in the last decade. Um, and I, and obviously I think in the future, um, that continues. I, I don't see why it wouldn't. We agree. David, thank you so much. We appreciate uh, getting us up to date on the car culture of Tulsa and just as importantly, the capability of the shop. If any of our listeners want to put their finger on the pulse of what's happening or the best way to learn more about your company or how to contact somebody there, what do you recommend? Just hit the web. Um, when you uh, look up Restoration Tulsa or anything like that, you're going to find us. Brandnewmusclecar.com is our website for the brand new builds. That's the one that has the most information. All of them lead to each other. That's usually where people start, and that's where people can see our Velocity, uh, not Velocity, it's Motor Trend now, but our Motor Trend TV show. We actually have done three seasons of Motor Trend where they, where they have filmed us building cars start to finish from scratch, and people always find that interesting. And that video is up on the web where people can watch it for free. And you know, Usually people have a lot of questions about how that process goes, and you can see us build one start to finish on television which is kind of fun. Yep. It's definitely worth a watch. And David, we appreciate your time and your insight into the operations of R3 performance products, as well as the car culture in the Tulsa, Oklahoma area. Thanks again. Yeah. Thank you. And I will see you at the auction and you're coming to Tulsa very soon. Don't adjust that dial on the move. We'll be right back. Our program is proudly presented by Meekum auctions, the world's largest collector car auctions. Now back to Matt and John. 
Matt, as we continue our quest to learn more and more about the Tulsa car culture, we are so happy to have a guy by the name of Dustin Turner on the phone with us today. Dustin is a car guy with an interesting background who's kind of the guy now behind pretty well-known event in the Tulsa area. It's called the Tulsa Tuesday Cruise, formed all the way back in 1998. It's the longest continuous cruise night in Tulsa. And again, we'd like to welcome Dustin to the show. Dustin, thanks for joining us. And take us back. How did you get involved in the Tulsa car culture? Good morning to both of you. I appreciate y'all having us on. Um, Yeah, so this started, my dad actually started the uh, Tulsa Tuesday Cruise back in 98. Um, you know, he, uh, he and, and my mom and, and my sister and I lived in Iowa. We grew up in Des Moines, Iowa. And I remember as kids, um, we would ride in my dad's 55 T-Bird, uh, mm-hmm. that he had really since he was nine years old, his family acquired that. Wow. And, uh, the four of us would drive down to a place called Porky's in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, uh, my mom loved their tenderloins and, mm-hmm. uh, we would go there. Uh, once a week, pretty much. And uh, we'd pack all four of us in this tiny little, you know, not really a three-seater car. And we would drive down there and look at like countless cars, just an unbelievable number of, of, of cool vehicles. So when my parents relocated, you know, my sister and I were out of the house into college and my parents uh, grew up in Enid, Oklahoma. So moving back down to Tulsa, my, uh, my dad was kind of missing, craving that car community that, that he'd found in Des Moines. And so he ran into a guy by the name of Bob Hendricks, um, who actually recently passed as well. Um, and back in 98, they, uh, they kind of came together and got connected and, and collectively started up what, what now is known as the Tulsa Tuesday Cruise. So, um, you know, they were trying to determine what night should it be each week. And with all the different, you know, out-of-town shows that people go on and, and kind of the cycle of people getting their cars cleaned up and, and then driven and then, you know, re-cleaned, they thought Tuesday night might be the best night for, uh, for everyone to get together and, and get started on that. So now 23 years later, um, you know, if, if there's nice weather, of course, this, this year has been a little bit different, but if there's nice weather, easily 250, 350 cars um, will show up, kind of a come-and-go event. Um, you know, wherever we may be, we, me, we, excuse me, wherever we may be meeting that given week. Um, and currently this year we're waiting, we're meeting at Steak Stuffers at 51st Memorial for those who are here local, um, any Tuesday night after four o'clock. Now, does the location typically change year to year? Um, not necessarily, uh, you know, over the years, I believe there's seven locations that they've kind of, kind of bounced between. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to change it up every now and then and, and be able to get people from different parts of town. Um, prior to this current location, it was met kind of on the east, actually outside of Tulsa in what's called Broken Arrow on the east side. So, you know, people on the far west side in what's called Sepulpa or Sand Springs area, it'd be a pretty hefty drive. Um, but then again, it's, it's, a car, it's a car cruise night. So what else do you do but want to drive your car anyway, right? So uh, it does kind of bounce around from time to time. Now, Dustin, is it pretty low key in terms of do you guys have any kind of criteria for what vehicles are allowed in? Do you guys incorporate any judging or is it just really just a, a, about getting together and enjoying the cars? You know, it's all about the community aspect. Um, you know, it's it's evolved over the years. I know when it, you know, when it first started, I was going as a, you know, an, a, a teenager, a college kid that was just looking at, at certain types of vehicles. But it's it's evolved now to where there's a lot of younger kids out there that, that bring vehicles, um, you know, obviously trying to maintain the same culture of, of respecting cars and, um, you know, having fast cars, but not necessarily having to, to burn out to prove it. 
Um, you know, the, one of the sayings, one of the co-founders, Bob, uh, my dad's friend would say is, you know, you may have the, the coolest car out there, but if you do, we're going to know it without you having to burn out. So, um, you know, show some respect and be safe for everybody else, obviously, is kind of the core uh, tenet of it. Dustin, with the loss, with the recent loss of your dad, um, you have taken this over. Is this something that you're planning on continuing or are you looking to kind of hand it off to somebody else as the show moves forward? You know, it's, 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 it's a tough question to answer, to be honest with you. Um, you know, obviously we didn't anticipate his loss. Um, and, and in so doing, you know, I felt like it was the right thing to do to, to kind of carry the torch, um, was kind of how it all started. And, as the weeks go on and I meet different people and, you know, people come up even, you know, even as recent as last week, um, you know, a gentleman came up and said, you know, I don't know you, um, but I knew your dad and, and he would share a different story about, you know, how he helped, um, how my father would, would grab his trailer and drive, help drive somebody up, you know, to Wichita, you know, and, and put a car on the back of the trailer and help them move a vehicle around different stories that, that I didn't know about. Um, so now it's kind of, uh, kind of been carried on in, in my own, uh, selfish side, of an opportunity to get to know a, a different side of my dad of things that, you know, there's always those stories after somebody passed that you learn about that they did that, that they didn't brag about, or they didn't talk about. And so it's, it's really neat to hear those types of tributes, if you will, um, that I wouldn't otherwise know. When it comes to the cars in your garage, Dustin, uh, are you driving anything cool to the cruise? <laughs> well, um, so, uh, my Lincoln MKX doesn't really, uh, fit <laughs> good car though. Fit yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't quite work. Um, however, one of the, one of the kind of the, the trends or one of the noticed, um, objects at, at every cruise night is a, a 1950 Chevy, uh, 50, a 3,100 that my dad rebuilt, um, with some of his good friends. Uh, gosh, it was about 16, 17 years ago. Um, so they put a, an LT one engine in it. Um, it's all refer, you know, the whole thing is, is redone underneath. It drives like a new car. Um, so I bring that every week. Um, but, but I won't claim it as my own. It's, it's definitely my mom's, but, um, but then she should be driving soon. Uh, that 55 T bird that my dad referenced, he was halfway through restoring it, uh, when he passed. And I guess that's, <laughs> unfortunately, there's a couple gentlemen around town that have been in a similar situation where they're in the process of renovating or restoring a vehicle that they've long awaited to do and, and, and never finish it. Um, but fortunately, um, my mom's tirelessly worked effort, uh, hard effort on, on, doing it to the way that he wanted it to be done. And uh, it's pretty much finished. It's about 95% complete. So I think it may be out there uh, as early as tonight, if not next week. If people want to find out more about the event, where can they head online? Um, we have a Facebook group. Uh, it's called Tulsa Tuesday Cruise. Um, so when you join, you know, search it up there on, on Facebook, um, add, you know, request to add. And there's three questions that we ask just to make sure that it's not spam or bots or anything. Um, but just answer those questions, join on, and, and you'll be able to see um, a lot of people post pictures from the prior week, um, you know, a couple of days after cruise night. So you'll get to see all kinds of cool cars. You can scroll down the page and see some from years past. Um, really cool area that, that people share information about where other events are, um, you know, because it's really all about the car community. That was kind of the the, the quest that my dad had was he wanted to build up the car community and, and connect people that, you know, 
everyone's working on different projects, different types of projects. So it's nice to be able to come together and be able to share tips and tricks and see how somebody else finagled it in, you know, into their vehicle or how they, they customize the, uh, the overflow, you know, for the, the radiator in, in this truck. So uh, it's pretty cool uh, area for everyone to, to get together and communicate. Dustin, man, we really appreciate not only you taking some time to uh, help us put our finger on the pulse of the Tulsa car community, but also thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your continued efforts to carry on the legacy of the car culture uh, there in Tulsa that your dad started. And we look forward to seeing everybody in Tulsa, Oklahoma for the very first time. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And, you know, I know a lot of people are excited about me coming to town. So uh, I hope it's a, it's a really solid event, something we can do years, year after year. You've been listening to Meekum Presents On The Move, brought to you by State Farm. For more information, visit Meekum.com. And join us again next time as we take you inside the world of muscle and collector cars and more.